Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Um, I want to say this as we stand to go to the Word today. Um, man, I, <clears throat> I was going to start a series today, and I have it. It's, it's called, um, we'll start it next Sunday, not your average church. And uh, we'll talk about that next Sunday. But I, I want to I say something that I feel is the prophetic Word of the Lord for where we're going. I didn't plan to say this. It, it, it's not that I haven't thought about this. I have been meditating on it. I just didn't think it was a sermon. Sometimes we don't need a sermon. We just need to hear what the Lord is saying. And um, it's over in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You could go there. There's no title for this. I wanted, you know this passage. I've preached it probably two or three times in my journey here, but it has a different sort of import and a, a, a different implication for what I think God is saying. Devin, while she was talking, I started pulling up my, just my thoughts and notes on what I had been hearing about this. Um, <clears throat> I think this is prophetic and I think it's a bit of instruction. I've, I think I might just talk to Pastor Tobin in this sermon. Maybe you're the only one I'm gonna preach to. I don't know, it's, it's kind of wild here. Um, no, I. And he will tell you this is true. I have been feeling for a year, I talk to him about the choir all the time. I love it when the choir sings. I love it when the choir sings. I love it when the choir sings. But it's not just about me loving it when the choir sings. I think God is up to something. Because I think we're in a day of battle. And I, th I know this for a fact. The notion of an audience and a stage is not where worship is going in the church. The idea of coming to watch people worship and us observe, that isn't going to cut it in the day of battle. We're going to have to have your voice in the day of battle. There's some, I'm out here, Lord, so you have to help me today. Um, but I feel this in my heart. Maybe this is just a sort of a concise prophetic word. I'm not even gonna to try to turn it into a sermon, okay? I'm not gonna do that. I don't have any pressure to. I don't know if it fits on TV. Don't even care. <laughs> I'm getting a donut after this. Did y'all hear that? So we can do whatever we wanna to do today. I'm getting a raspberry donut with icing on top and you can all just get over it, hallelujah. Um, Lord, would you just let me speak and prophesy and explain as the Spirit would have us to understand it. These are not the children of darkness. These are the children of light. They do not walk in misunderstanding or without understanding, for you give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. I am praying today that we tap into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Um, just sit down. It's okay. Let's do this way. Because I'm going to read like 30 verses. 
So you know this story. Jehoshaphat comes into power. Um, he becomes the king the way that you became a king, your father, by death or by uh, war or whatever way the father, the king died. When that king died, the son, a son, in that same lineage would reign in his stead. So Jehoshaphat comes into authority through the process and the way that a king would come into authority. And in the 18th chapter, I'm going to talk from the 20th chapter, but in the 18th chapter, he inherits the throne, and the throne has been absolutely polluted and perverted, and thus the people have become polluted and perverted. They are bowing their knee at all of these Baal images, and they are literally performing lewd worship, sexual worship acts with the gods of Baal, the people of God I'm talking about. Israelite people were wandering away from the altar of Jehovah and had bowed their knee and began to worship in lewd ways at the altars of Baal. When Jehoshaphat became king, your Bible says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. We need to get an agreement, first of all, that God is going to give leaders to America that do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Well, what is he trying to say, what I just said? We need leaders in America who do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And we need to stop saying that's Christian nationalism. That's a demonic attack on the truth. Christian nationalism was something that happened in the past where they took the church and used the church for their own racist, divisive purposes. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus sitting on the throne and reigning as king in our hearts and having leaders who have the king reigning in their heart so that they lead in a manner that would honor Jesus. I am not talking about legalizing and making a law out of serving Jesus. I'm not trying to talk about state religion. I'm talking about we need to agree in prayer that whatever party they come out of, they love God, they love Jesus, they love people, they love the book, and they allow us to preach the truth in love. Jehoshaphat did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And what's interesting in the 18th chapter, and I'm just going to summarize the 18th chapter. If you go read it, he did this. He appointed leaders, priests, and teachers to come back to Jerusalem and to come back into the, uh, to the people of Judah and to teach them and show them the ways of God. Listen to this. The leaders, the priests, and the teachers. I don't have time to go into it. But the leaders demonstrated the right way to live the priests showed them the right way to worship and the teachers taught them the truth of God's law. How many know if you want to shift the culture, you have to affect leadership, you have to affect worship, and you have to affect what they're learning and what they're hearing? And what we need, I believe with all my heart, if we're going to shift the culture, we need to make sure our, our worship is proper, our leaders are proper. Listen, you're not the right leader if you're not following the right one. So I'm not interested in your leadership. I'm actually interested in who you are following because who you are following qualifies you to be a leader. If you're following the right one, you can have 10 points and 10 programs, and this is a wonderful leadership, but if you're causing me to follow someone other than Jesus, I don't need your leadership. We need leaders who are following the right one, and when you follow the right one, then, I, then you qualify yourself to be followed. That's why Paul says, follow me as I 
follow Christ. And then the final thing is uh, he brought teachers in because ignorance, where there is no revelation, the Bible says where there is no revelation, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says where there is no redemptive revelation, people are destroyed. You and I have got to make sure that we are never in a place where ignorance reigns supreme. I want you to know that God didn't call you and I to be children of the dark. He called us to be children of the light. We don't get caught off guard like everyone else. It's not spiritual to say, I don't know. It's spiritual to say, there is a know-it-all living on the inside of me. And if I have a prayer life, he can actually reveal things to me before they happen. How many know the Bible said God does nothing in the earth and first, until he first reveals it to his holy prophets? What we've got to have is an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. I don't want to catch the news when everyone else is reading it on the front page of the paper. I actually believe the Spirit of God is speaking. If we'll have the ability to tune our frequency in, we can hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us in this day that we're living in. We don't have to walk in the dark. We're actually children of the light. Somebody say amen. So he brings in teachers, he brings in priests to show them the way of worship, and he brings in leaders. And the whole nation, the Bible says this, that the nations of the earth begin to fear Judah. When they got their heart in alignment, the nations of the earth began to fear them. They stopped being afraid of their enemies, and Judah began to be the one who brought fear upon their enemies. When you get into a posture in a place where your ways and my ways please the Lord, we will stop being afraid, and actually the enemies will be the one who have to deal with the fear. But there is no fear in the camp of the enemy if the church is following all of its own notions and all of its own carnality and all of its own lust of the flesh. If we get our life submitted to the one who reigns supreme, that's the Bible says it this way, resist, it says submit yourself to God. We always quote resist the devil and he will flee. But the first step is submit yourself to God. If we get our heart in alignment and line up worship and line up leadership and line up teaching and we get knowledge and revelation, if our lives are submitted to him and we have submitted, submitted our lives to God, then we will resist the devil and the devil will then flee. The New Testament never paints a picture of a church that has surrendered to Jesus as one who surrenders to the enemy. A church who has surrendered to Jesus and given her heart completely and completely and totally to him, they never walk in fear because as long as you walk in the fear of the Lord, you will fear nobody else. Chapter 18 of 2 Chronicles is a, is a realignment chapter. It's a, it's a nation that is jacked up. Jehoshaphat comes in. He realigns it. He brings in voices that direct it into the ways of the Lord. Then you flip to chapter 19, and we have a problem. We have a distraction. What's the distraction? A king named Ahab. And Ahab comes in and attempts to form an alliance with Jehoshaphat. I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. We're laying a foundation here. Ahab, a wicked king over Israel, comes into Jehoshaphat and to Judah, and the Bible says that he formed an alliance with him. It was a distraction. Jehoshaphat is actually making, he's making progress. He's got some traction. They are moving Judah forward in the things of God, and suddenly out of nowhere, here comes Ahab saying, hey, be my buddy, partner with me, let's do stuff together. It's, a, it's an undivine distraction. You have to be careful that when God is aligning your life, you don't let things come into your life that pull you away from devotion to Yahweh, and you've got to make sure that in this season you are not aligned with things that God has cursed and decided he would not bless. 
This is part of why I'm concerned about our nation and this is why my, my primary concern about our leaders are how they treat Israel. Some of you are not interested in, in that, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if God isn't faithful to Israel, what makes, he think, makes you think he has to be faithful to you? If God doesn't keep his promise to Israel, why in the world would we trust he would keep his promise to us? If God told Abraham, I'll bless you and I'll make you a blessing, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Let me tell you something, there are people who try to reduce that now into some argument over geopolitics and, 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 and geography and boundaries and you know today's modern day Israel is not Old Testament Israel. I think it's all hogwash. If the people of God, the Israelites, those who belong to the Jewish, to the Jewish bloodline, if those people are not still the apple of his eye, then he's not who he said he was. So yes, I do believe in goat and sheep nations, which is why I pray for our nation to honor and to bless and to help protect and do whatever we can to serve Israel because I believe it is one reason why we have experienced the blessing of God in this nation. And we could talk about that more of that, and there's, there's, it's a loaded conversation, but the reality of it is God is still blessing those that bless Israel and cursing those that curse Israel. And in the second chapter of, uh, pardon me, the second book of Chronicles, the 19th chapter, Ahab comes in and forms this alliance with Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat gets distracted from the call and the purpose and the assignment on his life, and he yokes up with Ahab. And if you read the last chapter of the, the last book, uh, the last part of the 19th chapter of Second Chronicles, you will see this. Jehoshaphat almost loses his life because of being connected to a wicked king like Ahab. Ahab actually gets Jehoshaphat positioned for defeat, and the Bible says that the enemy came and surrounded Jehoshaphat, and they thought it was Ahab. They actually had their bows drawn to kill him, and just at the last second it said, Jehoshaphat cried out to God, and God had mercy on him and spared his life. How many know, thank God for mercy? Somebody say amen. Thank God that God gets us out of some of the junk we get ourselves in. Come on, someone say amen. But I want to tell you right now, far too many times we waste time and we delay the plans and purposes of God from coming to pass in our life because we have partnered illegally with things outside of the will of God for our life. I want you to know right now, I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you want them to like you. I don't care how friendly they are to you, how much they smooth you up and they set you up and they flatter you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They flatter us. Be careful about people who just speak flattering words to you to attempt to get you into some sort of relation. I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. I don't want to be flattered into a relationship with you. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit into meaningful relationships that are a part of my future. I don't want God to have to save me from stuff that I never should have been a part of in the first place. And so many times in our journey, we get, for whatever reason, we have this purpose. Lord, I'm gonna walk around and teach here. We, we have this thing happening in our life just like it happened in the life of Jehoshaphat. He's on the right track. He's making all the right moves. He's getting things in order. He's connecting the dots. He's living holy. He's living righteous. He's living spiritually. And suddenly out of nowhere, Ahab comes knocking on the door. Hey, be my friend. Jeez, how many times have I seen that happen in relationships in the church? People like getting on fire for God and they're praying and they're reading their Bible and they're serving and they're doing stuff for God, then suddenly they find a girlfriend. <laughs> Reeling you in. 
they find a boyfriend. They didn't find them in the altar, didn't find them at a Bible study, didn't find them in Sunday school, didn't find them in church. They found them down at the hoot nanny. They found them at the bar that God saved them from. They find, they find them in all the craziest places, and yet the work of God in their life is so real that they actually think, I can have what God is doing and yet have what God has forbidden and tried to keep me from, and maybe I'll even be able to bring this person back and they can experience what I did. Let me help you something. God at this point in your life is probably not calling you to be a missionary dater. You are not the Apostle Paul and that woman or that man, sir or ma'am, they are not your harvest yet. I believe you need to take off running for Jesus with a singular vision. I believe you need to want him more than you want anything else. I believe you need to run. Don't walk, run after Jesus. And you know you will find the right one when you turn around and they're able to keep up with you as you chase after him. And if you gotta slow down to buy a ring for that, you don't need to put a ring on that. You need to keep running with Jesus and wait till somebody shows up who's able to run with you but we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that. Because chapter 19, the Lord has to save him from it, and then you come to chapter 20. So chapter 18, he's doing the right stuff. He's got everything in line. He's got teachers and priests and, and, and leaders coming in, and we're, we're reestablishing life, and we're reestablishing priorities, and we're reestablishing culture. And then chapter 19 comes, and Ahab tries to distract him. He almost dies, and, and the Bible says that God saves him, and then you come to chapter 20. This is where I want to go. Because Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He wakes up one morning in this kingdom that God's blessed him with. His leaders come to him and say, you won't believe this, but we're being invaded. We're being invaded, and we're being surrounded. And they are coming. Look at chapter 20. I just want to give this to you. Look at chapter 20. They're coming from Moab. They're coming from Ammon. And they're coming from Mount Seir. And they are a multitude. They are a multitude. And there are so many, so many more of them than there are of you. How many know when the enemy comes, he does his best to illustrate the arrangement of the battle in a way that intimidates and brings you fear. The enemy never shows up with less than what you got. He always shows up with more than what it looks like you have. You are always feeling outnumbered. You are always feeling outdone. You are always feeling overwhelmed. You are always feeling like the enemy's one step ahead. You are you're always feeling like, I can't win this. It's the assignment of the enemy to intimidate in the day of battle. We are living in a moment where intimidation and fear are assigned to your life to cause you and I to faint in the day of battle. It's not even about the battle, it's about you not thinking you can have victory before the battle ever begins. The intimidation factor of the enemy is so high, it's, it's exactly why the Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear. 
He knew fear would be one of the most compelling reasons for you to run from the battlefield because if you enter a battle that it looks like you're outnumbered in, it, it, what the enemy says is no use. There's no use when the doctor says this. There's no use in doing that. There's no use when your kids get hooked on another drug. There's no use. Every time you turn around, it just seems like you're outnumbered. And listen, I used to think this happens to one or two or three people at a time. Being your pastor and pastoring multiple campuses and several thousand people, if you are dealing with the attack, I wanna let you know you're not crazy. There is not something wrong with you. There is not something bad happening in your life. There is not something that you're doing wrong. There are so many people right now in our fellowship and not just our church, but I hear stories of it happening all over the place. People are just dealing with adversaries. And we want to know why do I have to deal with the frustration, the pain, the letdown, the disappointment? Why do I have to deal with the bad report from the doctor? Why do I have to deal with the loss of job and the pink slip? Why do I have to deal with the financial issues and the stuff that's going on? I tell you what it is. It's an attempt of the enemy to get your eyes off of the one who can do something about it. I'm going to say this. Some of you are going to get nervous, but I've already crossed the line in my heart, and I don't really give a rip anymore. This nation is surrounded by enemies. Some are within, and some are without, and some don't want to see the blessing of the Lord on America. They don't want to see the blessing of the Lord on our nation. I want to give you some reminders. If God could find just a handful of righteous people he said, I will spare it for 10. God is not trying to destroy any nation, no matter how wicked it's been or wicked it is. He's just looking for a righteous remnant that will stand up and say, this thing still belongs to God. And they get surrounded. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir come out of nowhere and surround them. What is the answer? When they are surrounded by an enemy, the likes of which I can't even see the end of the battle. They can't even see the end, the, 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 the back of the rear guard of the army. They look and it's just people forever. Like the sand of the sea, one translation said. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do about all this? What are you going to do? No, I'm not asking a rhetorical question to you about what are they doing? What are you doing about what you see happening to our children? What are we doing about the direction and the trajectory of the moral depravity that is trying to happen in our country? What are we doing about school boards? Y'all not gonna like me. Y'all not gonna like me, but you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of being polite to my own destruction. 
I'm tired of sitting by and thinking that what we should have done is listen to all the kumbaya folk. And I'm not talking about violence and I'm not talking about guns. I don't need a gun to do what I'm getting ready to do. I don't need a bullet to achieve the victory I'm getting ready to have. I'm trying to tell you and point you in a direction that is very different than the one this nation is currently looking in. It is found in the good book. It is found in the word. I know what we need to do when we get surrounded by the enemy. And there's all kinds of people who have ideas about what to do. And you know why we don't do what the Bible calls us to do? Because we're too busy watching our favorite news station tell us what we better do. And they don't know Jesus. And they don't know the truth and they are not free and they're full of anger and rage and bitterness and malice and they hate each other and they hate the other side and we got people who watch that more than they do read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and they know more about their candidate and his indictment and their candidate and his past than they do the empty tomb I feel like preaching in here. For, I want to tell you something. If we're going to figure out what to do, we better stop listening to people who don't know what to do and we better fall in love with the one who knows what to do. So I'm telling you this morning, I know what to do. Well, he's just, he's so animated. I'm not animated. I'm righteously indignant. I... I'm righteously indignant because the pulpit has become wussified and we don't tell the truth because what we're concerned, I'm getting it all out today, what we're concerned about is losing mediocre, milk toast Christians to another church down the road who will tell them what they want to, hold on, who will tell them what they want to hear and preach it the way they want to hear it and don't step on my toes. I didn't come to step on your toes. I came to step on your ego, step on pride, step on hate, step on racism, step on malice, step on religion. I believe we need to do what the Bible says to do. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What are we going to do about all this? What are we going to do about all this? What do we, are we seriously thinking it's a good idea to not in love and in kindness and with firmness and the veracity of the scriptures do we seriously think it's a good idea to continue to let demon-possessed people shape the narrative and form their utopian future for our children while we sit in here on Sunday? I'm about to crawl up on this television box. We sit in here on Sunday and sing a couple of fast songs and a couple of slow songs and you hear your preacher preach and you think this is the solution. I tell you, this is... This is part of the solution, but this is not the only place where it can happen. There are far more screwed up people out there than there are in here, which means what's happening in here that's getting all of us unscrewed needs to get out there so it can get other people unscrewed. What do we need to do? What do we do? 
you ever get the feeling, I have to process things. Sometimes I have to calm myself and I see things happening and I think to myself, some of these people need to be whooped. My mama spanked me. She whooped me. It was good for me. Well, you were abused. I wasn't abused. No, abuse is when they leave you for 24 hours at a time and say, here's your video game. Go do that. that, that that'll screw you up. That'll screw you up every now and then. But a good spanking every now and then. Some of this stuff just, just wears me out. And I, I watch this and I... I have the Spirit of the Lord living in me and he, and he helps me to stay in a place of love. And I feel like I need to say this, you can't fix this in the flesh. We're surrounded by enemies and you can't fix this one in the flesh. Your anger won't fix this. I'm talking here. Your frustration won't fix this and turn this around. Your malice and bitterness won't fix this. Your hate of another race won't fix this. What do we do, Wallace? I'm, I'm glad you asked. We, we know what to do. What do we do? Here's what we do. And Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. Feel that? No excitement. No rambunctious, rowdy, Tehillah praise with that one. Nobody wants to twirl on that one, but that's the answer. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. If the church doesn't cultivate a deep love and commitment to prayer, we are not only going to get surrounded by enemies, they are going to eat our lunch. Do you hear what I'm telling you? We are no match for the wisdom of this world, standing ourselves in the wisdom of the flesh. If they're going to come in the wisdom of the world, we're going to have to tap into a higher, greater, more divine and glorious wisdom that does not come from a pencil-pushing preacher looking for another sermonette that he can preach while driving his car. Corvette, smoking his cigarette, going down to the dining. That's not what we need. We need a prayer meeting. We need to pray. We need to set our face to seek the Lord. Where are the prayer warriors? Where are the people who will cry aloud and spare not my condo? I'm telling you, prayer. Seek God while he may be found. <laughs> Sit with me. I'm almost done. Um, he is surrounded and he sets himself, verse 3, 2 Chronicles 20. He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast. 
And he gathers Judah together. Here's what the word says. This is how you fix it. He gathers Judah together. And they ask, verse 4, they ask help from the Lord. We don't ask for help because we don't think we're in trouble yet. I came to sound an alarm, Hop. We're in trouble. And somebody's got to pray. Well, we're not in trouble. Grace, grace, grace. I'm all thankful for grace, saved by grace, blessed by grace, transformed by grace, brought out of darkness by grace. But I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of people inviting a spirit of an antichrist into the very nation and the nations of the earth that we're living. There's a war happening. I don't know, Mabel, if we come back here, this is a doom and gloomist. He's a doom and gloomist. I'm not doom and gloom. I'm just trying to find out. Why aren't we praying? Why is there no seeking the Lord? If we're not in trouble yet, here's my question. If we're not in trouble yet, what else has to happen? I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm not sure I know the answer to the question I just asked. If we're not in trouble, what else has to happen for trouble to be here? Let me help you understand something. If this ain't trouble, I'll take this till trouble gets here. I don't want nothing to do with this. He set himself to seek the Lord, and he gets Judah to come together, and they seek the Lord, and they cry out for help. That's what the book said. They cried out for help. Here's what I want to tell you. The greatest temptation of the church in this hour is to lean on the arm of the flesh and to look for some self, inner self-strategy to get us out of this mess. I'm reminded of the, I believe it was the four lepers And in that same passage where he's talking about the four lepers, there's a woman, they're in a famine. It's the worst possible situation you can imagine. And one of them cries out, if the Lord don't help us, we're all going to die. This is so, this is so heavy, isn't it? It's just like, the, the, the issue is not how bad is it. The issue is we have the answer and no one seems to want to do it. I'm not even mad. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn you into a prayer life. That doesn't work. You know, beat people. We used to do that growing up. You're not praying enough. You're going to hell. Okay, I'll pray more. It's not even about how long you pray. Help! Doesn't take long. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, it's not about how flowery our phrases are. It's not about how well we put our sentence structure together. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said to his disciples, you see how the Pharisees pray? They stand on a corner and they think they are heard for their eloquence of speech and the way that they present themselves. But he said, I don't care 
what kind of words you say. I know what you need before you ever open your mouth. I'm not trying to get you to sound pious and deep and religious. I just want to know, do you want me to help you? And if you want me to help you, you can go into your prayer closet. Shut the door. I feel like preaching here. Shut the door behind you. And you can cry out to your father in secret. And your father who sees you in a secret place will hear you and reward you openly. God, I feel this. I believe we're about to have an answer to some people who've been crying out, help. Somebody just throw your hands up and say, help us, God. Don't do it because I told you. I don't want no music. I don't want no music for a minute. Somebody throw your hands up and cry, help. Help us. Help us. We can't fix this. We can't fix Washington. We can't fix America. We can't fix the educational system without you. Help. Help us raise our children. Help. I know some of you have been feeling a financial squeeze. I hear it. You've been telling me about it. Help us. Groceries are crazy expensive. Inflation and gas prices. And help. Help us. My friends are turning from the Lord and some of them are apostatizing and walking away from the faith. Help. Shantakaba. Woo, help. Help, God. We can't help ourselves. We don't know what to do about this army. Help us, God. We know what to do. The Bible said what to do. We just can't find the time to set our face and to cry out for help. So he prays. He prays. He prays. He prays, and I'm going to read to you the prayer. Sit with me. It's 12.05. If you got to go, blessings. Second, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all are like, why in the world does she do that? She knows what to do. Help! Help! Father, help! Somebody just throw your hands up and pray. Just pray. Pray. Cry out to the Lord. Help! Holy Ghost. Help us. Second Chronicles 20 said he prayed. Here's what he prayed. Listen to this. Then Jehoshaphat stood. Listen to me. Stop blaming 
sinners for sinning. Sinners sin. I don't lay much of our problem at the feet of the world, although that's where much of this introduction to darkness came from. My concern, however, is that a quiet, passive, prayerless church has been complicit with the invasion of the enemy, and we have not stood on our watch. Preachers have begun to preach, oh Lord, please sit down. Preachers have begun to preach a me-centered gospel, a crossless message, and we don't want anyone to feel conviction because of what they might do about their church attendance, and thus their dollars. Let's just call it what it is. Well, I wanna tell you right now, if we don't cry aloud and spare not, we're gonna wake up one day and we're going to regret our silence. When the Lord spoke to me on the first day, hold on, sweet pea, when the Lord spoke, hold on, sweet pea, just stay right there, we'll pray in a minute, I promise, we're going to. You're all right, baby. On the first day of my sabbatical, when the Lord spoke to me, he said, I'm going to, until further notice, it is redemption to this nation. I thought, what does that mean? And here's what I want to tell you. That won't happen without a partnership with the righteous. What will we have to do? Is it how hard we work? Oh, no. I'm going to show you this. You ready for this? Jehoshaphat's prayer is recorded. It's about eight verses. It's not, it's not, listen to me, it's not that he prayed long, it's that he prayed authentically. I hope some of us get the revelation that tenure and length don't always lead to breakthrough. I'm not into short prayer necessarily, but I am into authentic. He prayed, listen, here's his prayer. You ready? Josh fetched in the assembly of Jerusalem and Judah in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, here's the prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nation and in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built your sanctuary, you a sanctuary in it for your name saying if disaster comes, if sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save now and now and now and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given to us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that has come against us, nor, we do, nor do we know what to do. Listen, listen. But our eyes are up on you. 
Where have you set your gaze in this day of battle? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what are you looking at? We don't know what to do, but our eyes, they're on you. Now, the next verse is, he's ended that prayer. So that prayer was seven verses, just seven verses. They end the prayer, and he prays until Jehaziel prophesies. Hmm. What do we do, Wallace? What do we do? We pray until the prophetic word comes, and then we prophesy. Don't miss this. Some of you can deal with prayer, and some of you even like praise. Some of you still, eh, I don't know about this prophecy. This prophesying thing is weird. Some of these prophet people, prophetic people, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Listen. I'm not going to disagree with you. My wife is a prophetic. Sometimes I'm like, she comes up and she's like, she's feeling something. I ain't feeling it. She's like, do you see this? Do you see this? I'm like, can we go to dinner? No, I got to tell you this. And so she, can you see it? Can you see it? And in my mind, I'm like, I ain't seen it yet, but I'm hungry. And I go, I see it. Oh my, it's been there the whole time. Listen. No, 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 listen to me. I'm, I know that's funny, but listen to me. You have to honor the prophetic. Well, I've gotten hurt by prophets before and prophecy before. All of us have. But you don't throw the, the chicken out with the bones. You eat the chicken and throw the bones out. Come on, somebody. There are some people in the kingdom of God who are one fry short of a full Happy Meal. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. But you don't throw the prophetic out because you got some bad prophetic. What you do is say, oh no, I will not be distracted if the enemy is out trying to harass me and confuse me with an incorrect prophetic word, then there is a very real, authentic prophetic word somewhere. And if I stay here long enough, God's going to speak it. If I just pray and remain authentic in my heart, God's going to say it, and he's going to reveal it, and he's going to do it. Prayer unlocked the heavens. When the heavens got opened up, read your Bible. Second Chronicles 20 Verse 14, and the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the people. What's the point? They prayed. Was it long? Didn't take forever? It could, but it didn't in this instance. They just cried out to God, help us. Suddenly, heavens roll back. Holy Ghost descends on Jehaziel. Jehaziel stands up in the midst of the assembly. And what does he say? I'm going to have to hold myself together here. Do not be afraid, neither be dismayed because of this, your 
this multitude, this great multitude before you, for the battle is not yours. Hey, listen, you are panicking over a fight you're not even going to have to get in. You are panicking over a battle you're not even going to have to get involved in. Some of us are having a nervous breakdown and we're not, I feel the Holy Ghost on my neck right now, just running up my neck. I'm telling you, you are staying up at night about an enemy that wants you to think you've got to deal with it, but God sent me to tell somebody, it's already been dealt with. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for this multitude standing before you. God said, I got another thought in mind. You're not even gonna have to get in the fight. The battle is not yours, but this battle belongs to God tomorrow. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow the devil's going down. Just thinking about tomorrow. Singer, I will. I don't care. I want you to know this. People have always said this to me and I've always believed them and it's not true. Tomorrow is in a fool's. Come on. Tomorrow is a word found only in a Fool's vocabulary. How many have ever heard that? Lift your hand. You never heard that? Okay. Well, I have. <laughs> People say this all the time. You can't talk about tomorrow. Don't talk about tomorrow. I want to tell you, I can't talk about tomorrow if it's up to me. But if God says tomorrow, I'm living through whatever I'm going through tonight. And I can't die. Oh. I can't die today. And I can't die in my sleep. And I can't die when my enemies have surrounded me. Why? Because the Holy Ghost said tomorrow. I just feel like I'm going to preach here before I leave. That in spite of all you're going through, in spite of everything you've been dealing with, in spite of every enemy that's got you surrounded, slack three people tell them tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. America, tomorrow. Redemption to the nations, tomorrow. Mama of a single single parent of a bunch of babies who don't feel like she can make it through one more day. I come to tell you tomorrow. Tomorrow? Lord, that thing just blessed me. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of a brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, here's the crazy thing. And then he, say, he ends by saying, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out before them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. If I don't have to fight, what is my responsibility? Are <laughs> oh, y'all looking for something to do? I might tell you what to do. 
You don't have to fight, but you do have a responsibility. The Bible said they fell down and began to worship the Lord. And look at this, look at this. Pastor Tobin, I, I took 30 minutes to get back to you, whatever it was, 50 something. But here's the deal. Here's what happened. They rose early in the morning, went to the wilderness of Tekoa. Joshua stood and said, hear me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. When God puts a word in a man or a woman's mouth and they have the faith to release it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, you don't need to confer with flesh. You don't need... I'm not telling you not to weigh the word. I'm telling you, don't put the word on the table for a committee to have another committee to talk to another committee to see if the word is really going to come to pass. If it was the Holy Ghost, write it down, file it in your cabinet, and know that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will never pass away. You need to learn how to have confidence in the word. If my responsibility is not to fight, then pastor, what is it? I'm getting ready to tell you. The Bible said, before they went out to battle, before they went out to the battlefield, they assembled singers. And they sang in the beauty. They, they praised the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army. The army was going to the battlefield but they never pulled a sword. Why? Because the choir did the praising. And the choir started singing. And when they began to sing, ambushes got set. Y'all better hear me. Some wild, turbulent times are coming. And the call of God on you and me and the people of God, whether we will hear it or not, but I'm telling you on this house, is to sing in the midst of the craziness. Pastor Tobin, Pastor Jojo, first of all, how many help me thank God for Pastor Tobin and Pastor Jojo? Just, just the best, just the best. But hear me. When they send out a call for the choir, don't be squeamish. Get in the choir. Sing. Well, why are we singing? Because God is going to use your song to set an ambush against the enemy. I don't even know how. I don't even know how this happened. They only sang one song. It didn't even have verses. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something right here. Well, why in the world? You know, they come up there and they sing that same line 33 times. You ain't got it yet. That's why they sing it 33 times. Because you ain't heard them yet. And God's going to let them sing it 33 more until you start saying, oh, victory is mine. Oh, Oh, okay, I got you, God. You're talking to me. You want me to get with it. I'm tired of analyzing all the people on the stage. They're trying to get me to come into agreement with a declaration that if we will all get in agreement with it, it will unlock the heavenlies and the power of God will be released. 
I need, I need a verse. You know what they say? Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Well, what else did they say? Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Jehoshaphat, you better do something. They're coming toward us. Keep singing. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth. Come on, choir. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth for, aren't we gonna fight? Aren't we gonna come up with something else? Don't you have a plan? No, I don't have a plan, but I gotta praise. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy. His mercy endureth. So, when we run in Chattanooga, what shall we say? Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. When we go to Little Rock, Arkansas, what are we going to say? Praise ye the Lord. When we go to LA, what are we going to say? Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. When we go to Nashville, what are we going to say? Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when we go back to Washington, D.C., I'm going to walk up on the steps and I'm going to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. What are we going to do, Pastor? Pray. When the prophetic word comes, prophesy. And when it's done, praise. That's it. Stand. That's what we're going to do. Pray, prophesy, and praise. And then what? Repeat. Pray, prophesy, praise God. And then what? Repeat, pray, prophesy, praise God. Let me tell you what else is about to happen. This house is about to get hit with a quickening. If you don't know what a quickening is, it's when everybody was sitting there like they always do and the Holy Ghost falls down like he did on Jehaziel. It ain't gonna hit all of you. It ain't gonna hit all of us. It ain't even gonna hit entire sections, but it's gonna hit like it just hit her. It's just gonna be like, it's gonna quicken you. Just some of you want a breakthrough, but you don't want to be quickened. God is about to quicken you out of your battle and into a breakthrough. Somebody open up your mouth and shout if you know I'm quickened. Quicken this nation, quicken the preachers, quicken this house. 
Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up. Quicken us. Quicken us. Just, just a shaking, just a whoo, made me alive. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been in prayer, you've been in a praise service and all of a sudden like a lightning bolt, boom, it just hits you. What was that? It was the Holy Spirit waking you up. Lift your voice, church. Lift your voice. Cry out to him for help. Cry out to God for help today. Help our families. Help our children. Help mama and daddy. Help our city. Help our nation. Help! Help us, Holy Spirit. Overcome and help! We cannot fix this. We need you. Help! 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 Oh, I'm constrained to pray right now. Help! Help us! Ah! <laughs> uh, somebody get the prayer, Mama. Somebody bring her up here. Come here. Come up here with me. Uh, come on, walk with me. I know you're weak. I'm going to carry you. But I feel the quickening of the Holy Ghost. I feel the quickening. Grab you somebody. Grab you somebody and get an agreement. Say help. Help. Oh, God, we need you. Sweep over this house. Sweep over our families. Help. Help us, God. Help us, help us. Open up your mouth and cry out to God. Help, help us. We have no help but the Lord. We have no help but you, oh God. Oh, oh. You're crying out for your children. You're crying out for your grandchildren. You're crying out for your generation. Help. Woo. Touch Mother Ann right now. Touch her by the power of the Holy Ghost. How? Oh. Somebody lift your hands and just. Just lift your voice. If you gotta walk around, walk around. Just we know what to do. We need you. We need you, God. Help! Help us, God! Help us! We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. 
We have no help in our own strength. We have no help in our own strength. Sixty more seconds. Find you another prayer partner. Get in groups of three, four, whatever. Help! 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 How? Holy Ghost, touch him. Put the fire of intercession in his belly. How? Oh! How? Oh, Yabasataya. Just find something and begin to wave it and cry. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we will depend on the name of the Lord. Help! Help! Karadaya Dadabasoto. Ken, Ken, come here, Kenneth, come here. Wesley, come here, Tim Ashley, come here. Darren Keelan, come here. If you're an evangelist, get to the altar. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I'm waking up the evangelist. I'm waking up the evangelist. Where are those who will cry aloud and spit out? Help! Help! Come here, Amy Pilgrim! Throw your hands up and say help! Help us! Help us, Lord! Help us, God! Kandamarase! Sarasaba! Kasa! How? Fire of God! How? Fire! Holy Ghost, put the fire of evangelism like never before in his belly. God touch Ricky. Help! Help us, 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 help us. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, 
I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ. And our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.